Hey CEO, I have an important question for you today. Are you running your business or is your business running you? If it's time to get your business in order so you can fully step into your role as a confident, in-control CEO, then I want to invite you to this advanced training series that I'm hosting live on May 20th through May 24th. We're calling it the 90 Day CEO Sustainable Success Series. And over these four days, we're gonna break down our research-backed, client-proven process to help you sustainably scale your business without hustling, without overworking, and without burnout. If you've been winging it in your business, hoping that you'll eventually get caught up and telling everyone in your life that when things calm down, you'll be a real functioning human again, this series is especially for you so that you can reclaim your life as you scale up your business. All you have to do is head over to theceocollective.com slash success and sign up. We can't wait to see you there. Hey there, welcome to Uncomplicate Your Business, a weekly podcast where I share a peek behind the scenes of what it really looks like to create a successful business on your terms. Today, we're talking about why you should do a year in review before you set your big goals for 2017. Check it out. Ready for more ease and less stress as an entrepreneur? Welcome to Uncomplicate Your Business, where you'll learn how you can simplify your business and amplify your results so you can work less and live more. And now, your host, MBA, award-winning business strategist and author of Your Business Sweet Spot, Rachel Cook. Hey there, Rachel Cook here, and welcome back to Uncomplicate Your Business. Today, we're talking about the step you should take before you start setting your big goals for the year ahead, doing a year in review. You know, we're in the home stretch of 2016, so it's natural to be looking ahead, plotting, planning, dreaming, scheming of all the greatness you want to achieve in the year to come. So as you make those plans and write out your goals for 2017 over your morning coffee or a holiday cocktail, it's important that you don't just look ahead. The allure of visualizing your amazing, shiny future in 2017, it is downright irresistible, and it's easy to be intoxicated by the possibilities. Wanting to do this is 100% natural, and we've all been there from a new workout plan to doubling down on our business. So why is it then that some of our goals happen and others are abandoned only days into the new year? because the act of setting goals is easy. Figuring out how to make them happen and owning our role in them, it is much, much harder. So before you race towards your future, it's time to press pause and take a look back at the past year and see what really worked, what really didn't, and how everything stacked up to your plan. I call this the year in review, and it's become a key part of my planning process. It might seem a bit tedious if you're ready to just forge ahead, but carving out time now to do a year in review in your business and all the areas of your life will bring you much needed insight and knowledge to help you ground your goal setting process in reality. So here are five specific questions that I ask as part of my year in review, 
And I encourage you to head over to rachelcook.com slash episode 28 to get your year in review download so that you can go through this process before you start planning and committing to your big goals for 2017. Now, before you start your year in review, you probably want to keep in mind the different areas of your business and your life that you're setting goals around. If you haven't set goals in the past or you're just looking over the goals you set from last year, you'll probably notice that there's a combination of different types of goals. Maybe you have some business goals or financial goals, things that are directly related to how much of an impact you can make or the income that you're going to bring home. Maybe you have some personal goals around your own personal life, your family, your friends, your relationships. Maybe you have some health goals. So specific health-related goals are incredibly popular at the beginning of the year. It's why everyone goes on a diet on January 1st. What kinds of health goals are you setting? You might have other types of goals that you have going on on a regular basis or that you set for yourself last year or that you're looking for this year. Either way, I encourage you to take just a minute and note down the different areas of your business in your life that you typically set goals in. It will really help you as you do your year in review. Now, as you dive in, again, there are five questions here that I ask myself as part of my year in review process. The first is what goals did I achieve this year? Now, this is typically an easy question to reflect on as, we tend to know what we accomplished according to plan. You know, we know what went right. So as you're assessing your achievements against your stated goals, look for the success factors that enabled you to make them a reality. What kind of support did you have? Did you spend a lot more time in this area? Were you investing into this goal? What kinds of systems did you put in place in order to achieve this goal? Were you more committed to this goal than anything else? What you're trying to look for here is not only what were you successful at, but why were you successful at it? And that will help you to understand how you can replicate that success in the future. So a amazing goal that we achieved this year was creating and launching Get More Clients. It's a standalone sales campaign kind of in a box that you can go check out at rachelcook.com slash getmoreclients. And it was the first time I'd really offered this as a standalone product outside of Sweet Spot Strategy. So why was it so successful this year? What happened to make it successful? Well, first, I planned for it. I made time for it. I knew going into 2016 that I wanted to create a standalone product based on a sales campaign that I taught inside of sweet spot strategy. We'd seen such amazing results from people. So many of my students just returned to that strategy, that sales campaign again and again and again, that I knew I could turn it into a standalone product. So I plugged into the calendar that we were going to create it in March, and then we were going to start promoting it by the end of March, beginning of April, and then go into making it more of an evergreen product that would always be available on my site. So that was a big reason it was successful. We plugged it into the calendar. We made space for it. We made space to create it. We made space to promote it. And then we made space to figure out all of the process of automating it. What else made it successful? Well, we made space on the front end to get the community involved in it. Before I created the program, I sent out a one question email survey 
basically saying, hey guys, I'm creating something new for you. What are your biggest challenges around getting more clients into your business? And we had hundreds of responses from that survey. It was so insightful, so incredibly helpful for me, not only to help me make sure that the product was exactly what people needed and would deliver the best results, but also to make sure that I could effectively market, get more clients. It's one of the benefits of hearing from your dream clients is they're going to tell you exactly what they need to know in order to know that you're helping them make the best decision. So we turned a lot of those questions into blog posts, into webinars, into content upgrades and workbooks that helped people to really get a taste in advance to try on the concepts that I teach inside of Get More Clients and see if it was for them. And I think that contributed to making sure it was a big success. Something else that really helped us with Get More Clients was we invested in getting the right tools, the right systems, and the right support. I knew I didn't want to reinvent the wheel here. I knew I wanted to do an automated webinar system in order to continue to promote this as an evergreen offering. And we spent some time and energy and yes, money, making sure we could set it up, making sure it would be delivered, making sure everything worked perfectly. We spent a couple of months figuring out how my team could learn and optimize Facebook ads instead of having to hire somebody else. So that all went into making sure that we achieved that goal. It wasn't just we achieved this goal, yay, it was we achieved this goal and we made time for it. We put the system in place, we got the support we needed in order to achieve the goal. The next big question is, what was your biggest win of this year? Now, this is something that is so exciting because over the course of a year, we celebrate wins, but there are probably one or two things that really stand out as the highlights for the year. Like these are the highlight reels. Analyzing your biggest win in more detail, though, will help you figure out what types of successes are most relevant to you. And it'll help you create goals that align with the things that move your business and your life ahead faster. So if you're struggling to come up with a big win for the year, then it's time to take a hard look at your goals and determine if you're setting yourself up for failure. Stretch goals are great. But if they're so audacious, if they're so out there that they should be a goal five years from now, instead of one year from now, then we need to reevaluate. And on the flip side, if you have a laundry list of big wins, then your goals might not be big enough. You need to stretch yourself a little bit more. So when I look at the biggest win of the past year, it was going through the entire rebranding process, not only because we ended and I felt like finally the brand truly reflects what I want to show up or how I want to show up in the world, But it also gave me so much clarity about the direction I wanted to take my business around what I really stood for, what I wanted to continue stand for, and what was the most important parts of my business. So what could I take away from that big win? I'm going to take away and honor the fact that it took time. It took a year for me to go through that entire rebranding process, which just reaffirms to me that I am somebody who needs to take time with big decisions, with big creative projects. I don't need to rush and I don't need to feel rushed. And in fact, if I'm starting to feel rushed, it's probably not going to be as big of a success because other times where I rushed to launch a website, I ended up feeling like it wasn't a fit and didn't like it for years. So taking my time is incredibly important to my creative process. 
It also encouraged me to know that I should trust my intuition on something. If something is just nagging at me or I feel like it's not quite right, I need to stand up for myself. I need to not worry so much about if I'm going to hurt everybody's feelings and instead say, I appreciate how much time and energy you just spent creating that logo, but this isn't quite right. And here's what I like about it. And here's what I don't. Standing up for myself and being able to give feedback in a way that helped people to deliver what I was looking for, it's a skill set. It's really hard. It's a lot easier to critique something or just say, I don't like that, than it is to help figure out what it is you do and don't like and give that more specific feedback that'll get you closer. But going through that process helped me feel more confident that yes, I should stand up for myself. If I don't love it, I should send it back and give very detailed feedback around what works and what doesn't so that we can get to the right result. The next big area when you're doing your year in review is what didn't go according to plan. You know, failures are par for the course. And while we don't want to dwell on them, we need to understand why things didn't go according to plan. And for me, when things don't go according to plan, when something fails, it comes down to one of two things. First, there's not enough passion or conviction behind the goal. And I might be suffering from a case of, I should be thinking that I should do something. That is a terrible place to be setting goals in whatever area of your life or your business. I hear from so many people in their business who say, well, I think I should be creating a program but they actually hate the idea of a business model that depends on them being behind the computer most of their time instead of being in person with their clients. So should of thinking is a terrible way to set goals. I know in my own year in review process, if I look at the past year, you know, I'm somebody who always thinks, oh, it'd be so great to say that I could run a half marathon. I should set that as a goal. But the truth is, I don't like to run. (laughs) So it would be great because it would give me this little badge of honor and be something I could brag about, but not because it's something I actually want to do. So be very, very aware of should have thinking. And then there's times that the goal is a goal only, and there's no plan to go with it. And we can all set goals, but without setting the plan, without getting the support, without creating the systems and actually implementing it, that's where things start to break down. This is so important. If you don't have a system in place to help you achieve a goal, then it's not really a goal. It's just a wish. It's hopeful thinking. So when I look at where things didn't go according to plan this year, especially in other areas of my life, I feel like the things that didn't go to according to plan were taking care of myself. This year, I definitely rode up and down waves of feeling a little too overwhelmed or a little too stressed out. I fought my anxiety quite a bit this year. And that's because there was a lot of change happening this year. There were changes happening in my family. We had a lot going on this summer with my grandmother, my husband's grandmother in the hospital. So that was unexpected. And we felt a lot of stress around that. There was a lot going on. And when I get stressed, The first thing to go is my self-care. The first thing to go is going out on my walks. The first thing to go is really making sure that I'm handling my anxiety and making sure that it doesn't get the best of me. So there was a system breakdown there. There was a system breakdown because I convinced myself 
that I don't need to go out for that walk, or I don't need to hit the gym, or I don't need a quiet morning to myself. I can't ask my husband for help because he's too concerned about his grandmother. What I did as I started going through this year interview process is I actually wrote out a little document to myself, a little thing on my notes that's how to take care of Rachel, because this is my biggest area of weakness is self-care. Even though I preach it, I talk about it all the time. It is the first thing to go when I'm stressed. And it's just so instinctual that I need that support. I need my husband. I need my friends. I need my family. I need my team to all help me take better care of myself. So I wrote this little document in my notes, and I will share it with you at the show notes at rachelcook.com slash 28. I wrote this little document for myself in the notes app on my phone that were instructions to take care of Rachel. You know, how to take care of Rachel. Rachel requires some love and support to manage her anxiety and take better care of herself. This little note will help anyone living and working with Rachel to understand how they can help. That has been such a game changer since I realized that system was breaking down and it was breaking down because I needed the system and I needed the support. So assessing your failures, where things have gone wrong, it ensures that you have the intelligence you need to make sure you don't fall back into that pattern in the future. Now, the fourth thing to consider is what do I need more of and what do I need less of? We're so, so ready to move on at the end of the year that we can quickly skip over looking at how accomplishing our goals impacts our lives, especially when we're pushing so hard that the self-care, like I just talked about, or your family time or whatever else is most important to you is sacrificed in the process. So I get it. It's hard to admit that our goals might come at a cost. And when you're doing your year in review, Commit to going beyond just the surface and look at what you need to do more of and what you need to do less of. So if you're not sure, here are a few things that have come up for me with the more less question. What do I need more of? I need more unplugged time. I need more time away from my computer, away from my phone, away from my Facebook feed. I know that I can get sucked in And it actually starts causing stress. I start almost waiting for that dopamine rush of seeing a new update. So I need to start stepping away even more. I need to ask for more help. I need to make sure that I'm asking for help, not when I'm overwhelmed or when I'm starting to feel anxiety or panic. I need to ask for help when I realize I need help here. I shouldn't try to take it on myself. And part of that too is I need to ask people or tell people how they can help me and empower them, tell them where I know I need help so that they know how they can step in and they know what to do. I need more boundaries. This is really challenging, I think, not just for me, for a lot of people. And I feel like over the years, I've done a good job setting boundaries, but sometimes they start to get fuzzy when I start to get lax on them. So I need to reinforce some boundaries. I need to be clear about when I'm available. I need to be clear about my working hours. I need to stop saying yes to so many other things and really make sure that I'm honoring myself and using boundaries as a way to honor them. So systems, 
Also, like, I need more systems in the behind the scenes. I'm somebody who tries to build out as many systems as we can, but sometimes we forget to document them or we forget to use them. Occasionally, I'll find myself slacking my team and we just realize, hey guys, we haven't been updating Asana. We need to get back to the system. So committing to our systems, making sure we're all on the same page with our systems is incredibly helpful. And that doesn't just apply to the business. I need systems for how we plan our meals so that we're not spending too much money every single month out of our budget on food. Oh my gosh, that one system when we do meal planning and when we shop according to our meal plan, we do really well. We eat better. We don't stress out about all of that. But when we don't pay attention to that system... Almost every single night, my husband and I are looking at each other just going, hey, what do you want for dinner? And I don't know, I have to go to the grocery store. It causes unnecessary stress. I need more vacations, more time off. This year actually was a little challenging. We had some unexpected family things happen that we had to shift all of our plans. Instead of going on vacation, we had to go down to the hospital in Atlanta. And we should have also built in some extra vacation time. And that's something I'm going to start doing a little bit more intentionally next year. So what do we need less of? (laughs) What do I need less of in my life? Crazy self-imposed deadlines. Raise your hand if you are just too ambitious for your own good, you set a deadline, and then you forget that it's possible to move the deadline. I can't tell you how many times I've set a deadline for myself and I'm driving myself crazy And I know that I'm just overwhelmed and too stressed out with this deadline. But for some reason, it just flies out of my head that, hey, Rach, you can change the deadline. You created it. You can change it. There's no one who's going to be hurt or upset if you just explain what's going on. So less crazy deadlines, less pushing myself unnecessarily when it can all be a little bit more flexible. Less working on weekends. You know, the last few months have been a lot of working on weekends, not because I enjoy working on weekends either, mainly because I've been re-recording all of our programs, which often means when you're recording a huge program like Sweet Spot Strategy or Get More Clients, it means sometimes you just got to carve out that time when you can make it happen. So instead of forcing myself to work, you know, 10 or 12 hour days during the week, which would just completely burn myself out, I was working three or four hours on the weekend. But over the period of about three months, that starts to wear on you a little bit. So working on weekends, gotta go. I'm I'm ready to have my weekends back and feel really excited about that decision. Less going it alone, not asking for support. That's also part of the more (laughs) asking for support. Um, Less unrealistic goals, less over committing. So a lot more saying no and a lot less saying yes when I'm already you know, got to have a happily full plate. I don't need to overfill it. And those are the types of things that I start to think of. You know, what do you need more of? What do you need less of as you move forward? This one might take a couple of days to, to think through. And I encourage you to keep a running list. Maybe just keep a notebook open on your desk. So as things pop up and as you think through it, you will get clarity on what you want more of and less of to use as part of your goal setting process. And the final big question here is how did this year feel? Taking a page from Miss Danielle Laporte and her amazing desire map, one of my favorite books on the planet, I encourage you to move beyond checking off your goals to go to a more deep and critical question. How did this year feel? 
The idea of core desired feelings works because it gives you a tangible way to check in on how chasing your dreams is actually showing up, how it's actually making you feel. Two people going after the exact same goal will likely feel very different about it. And that's a valuable guidepost to creating goals that have real meaning and not ones that are hollow and artificial, like chasing the elusive six figure mark. You want to chase goals that matter to you that will make a difference. So for one of my business BFFs, her goal this year was to focus on her core desired feeling of space. That was her word of the year. And let me tell you, she created space in spades. She cleared out her service offerings that no longer served her. She let a long time side business go. Heading into the new year, she felt like she had more space than she could have ever imagined. I'm still marinating on what my word of the year, my feeling of the year is going to be. But hearing her experience with space guiding her as her core desired feeling makes me think that it'll probably be pretty similar. It'll probably be space, expansion, something like that. It just feels really open and free. So this has become one of the most powerful ways I know doing a year in review to set yourself on the right course for the year to come. I can't wait to hear what you experience as you go through the year in review process. Remember, you can download today's bonus year in review workbook at rachelcook.com slash episode 28. If you're loving the Uncomplicate Your Business podcast, it would mean so much if you would rate and review the podcast on iTunes. When you do, it helps me to reach and serve more amazing entrepreneurs like yourself who are ready to work less and live more. You can learn more about how you can uncomplicate your business, including show notes and bonus resources just for podcast listeners, plus courses and consulting where I help women business owners create success on their terms at rachelcook.com. Thanks again for being here. I can't wait to connect with you again for next week's episode of Uncomplicate Your Business. Talk soon.